What a Circus is a podcast that invites you to listen in on a teen book club. You can find links to our monthly podcasts on our Twitter page at Galena Library or anywhere podcasts are found. Our original music is by Darren and Carson Elquist and original art is by Katya Rogers. Chapter 3. Clowning Around Last month, we read the novel Dear Evan Hansen, which was based on the hit Broadway musical of the same name by Val Emick, Stephen Levinson, Benj Pasek, and Justin Paul. The story is a familiar one to the members of the book club. Quite a few had seen the musical, and they all liked it. And so we were delighted that the book form of the story did not disappoint. It's a story of Evan Hansen, a teen who struggles with loneliness, depression, and crippling anxiety, and whose therapist has asked him to write letters to himself beginning with, Dear Evan Hansen, today is going to be an amazing day, and here's why. Except one day, Evan can't play the game anymore. His dad left ages ago to start a new family, and his mom is gone most days, working and then taking night classes to improve her station in the world. And she means well, but Evan is left to fight his demons alone, and he decides to write an honest letter to himself instead of faking it. The letter he writes explains that he wants to die and that he will do it. He's relieved after writing it and sends it off to the printer, but the letter gets picked up by someone else, the very troubled Connor Murphy. Through the fog of his own grief, Connor understands the letter to be a sign, maybe, an encouragement to just do it already. He signs Evan's cast as his final statement to the world and, unbeknownst to Evan, leaves school in order to leave the world. After his suicide, Evan is called into the office where Connor's parents sit. Evan didn't know Connor, never had anything to do with him, but there sit his parents with Evan's letter, which they believe their son wrote to Evan as his final goodbye. And when they see Connor's name scrawled on Evan's cast, they are convinced that this boy, this quiet Evan Hansen, was their son's only real friend in the world. And so begins a tale of lies that are only meant to be helpful, lies that do good, give comfort, but lies nonetheless. For Evan, the lie turns his life around. He's no longer invisible. He is now the famous best friend of poor Connor Murphy. But as Evan's star is on the rise, he knows the truth. And as he digs his hole deeper with each new lie, the truth threatens to close in on him and destroy everything he finally has. It's the story of isolation and friendship, white lies and big lies, depression, anxiety, and just the drama of teenage life. It's what happens, too, when small things become giant, thanks to the internet. Overall, we thoroughly enjoyed the book. What stood out most to them was the fact that Evan knew it was wrong, all of it, but he struggled to find someone to talk to about it, to confide in. That seemed to ring true for them over everything else. High school is hard, the teenage years are hard, but who can you tell? specifically like Evan constantly feels like not almost like lost because he knows that something's like he knows what he's doing like isn't right but he just doesn't know how to get like around it or who to talk to and like that's pretty important is just to like be able to like say something to other people 
but to whom, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mom is always working. on the run, yeah. working. And she means well, but they she tries talk. to talk. They try to keep a living because she's like having to go to school and do her work job, so he's just left alone most of the time. Mm -hmm. Another thing that rang true to the members of the book club was the high school's response. Suddenly, everyone missed Connor. Everyone was sad Connor was gone and they were determined to keep his memory alive. A never forget moment. Except that in today's world, with the flood of social media, shiny new objects and other distractions, they easily forget. We easily forget. Hear the students talk about this aspect of the story and this aspect of our culture. While we appear to share everything, at bottom, we actually connect very little. I just thought it was interesting how after Connor did that and he was gone, how the whole school reacted and was like, we're, we stand with Connor, we're with Connor, and then a few weeks later, he's just forgotten. It's just, mm -hmm. and that's what the other characters, they try to, with the whole Connor project, they try to keep his name alive, and, but the school, the whole school, they pretend to stand by, like, be like, we, we, like are praying for like you like mm -hmm. we're so, so sorry you died you. Connor how did this uh -huh. happen but, but, but then we forget about it we'll give a fig later. about Connor yeah, yeah. That, so does yeah. that seem real mm -hmm. and like on this like doesn't really have something to do with it but it reminds me of what Hannah said like I just finished this tv show on Netflix Netflix called The Politician and Gwyneth Paltrow and it says something along the lines of like our generation has just shared like every single thought that we like have ever thought of like expressed like on the internet and then that leads to like a lack of intimacy like the overshare leads to a lack of intimacy and that reminds me a lot of that because just like we like in the moment are super super like passionate we're like we're gonna be there for you we're gonna help you but then when it really comes down to it we don't have those like connections because we've just like online and just going off like without it being personal. I ask them what, if anything, might remedy this situation, this current trend, or if they even thought it needed to be remedied. Instead, they really shed light on just how social media affects them, how much movements come in waves, save the rainforest, and then disappear completely. Really, it's not much different from how adults tend to talk these days, and we are all losing because of it. As they point out, no one talks about these issues face to face anymore, because they're afraid to be shot down in person. Um, going back to how we were saying we need to talk to people, like we are talking on the internet, but again like that, like talking a lot like overkill is another problem. Like there's two sides to it. So it's like, do we never share our emotions or do we overshare? And so we have to make sure, like if, like there are two like extremes to that problem. 
I would say you know. in person, most people, like, don't just, like, really express their emotions that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, there still are some people who are just like, oh my god, I love you and stuff, but, like, you normally don't hear that, you know? Mm-hmm. I know it's that sound. And it's funny, too, like, especially on Instagram, we go through, like, waves of people being, like, super, like, mm-hmm. active in, like, politics or, like, whatever, like, and then everyone will say something and then it'll just disappear, like, the next day, <laughs> like, it'll, oh, it's, yeah, it's really, like, you interesting. Get, like, people st- sharing on their stories, mm-hmm. all these posts about, like, save the r- rainforest, like, when, mm-hmm. when the Amazon was burning, everything right. was... Same yeah. for like all these posts that like donate and support if you like this, mm-hmm. like one like is one tree and then all that. It just comes in waves. Uh-huh. And then it's gone. But no one really like Super puts fast. in the uh-huh. effort. No. Yeah, I'm, like no one would Was see there really it a donation or was there just a like? Mm-hmm. A like doesn't equal a tree. Yeah. And then That's no one talks about it in person. We only talk about it online because we're too scared to share our opinions because we don't want to get shot down. Wow. That's, yeah. There's this whole just feeling of we don't talk about issues. Like, we don't talk about politics with our friends. We don't talk mm-hmm. about these issues that are important to us that we disagree on. Mm-hmm. And so that sets off a wave of, like, we hide what we feel, and we hide, and then we end up hiding our emotions, and... Yeah, and so having those important conversations and finding a compromise like we're supposed to, <laughs> then we just ignore it and, you know, <laughs> just only do Talk things about online. The weather. Yeah. <laughs> I asked them what they thought was the cause of this rift. There are a lot of things that have led to this place, surely. But what did they look at as the main culprit? When did it become so hard to talk to other people? Social media. But you usually see it on social media. Mm Yeah, I think because social media is obviously not going away anytime soon and I feel like that needs to be like some like things like this where we can like have like good conversations need to like happen more in like classrooms because teachers now aren't allowed to or they're afraid to share their opinions with their class because they either aren't allowed to or they don't want to influence the class but I feel like without that and we just get shown like videos with like I don't know, just like the middle ground, we don't see like either side in full light and we just don't know what to go with or what what to think and then we can never really talk about it. I think it's a mix of both. Um, Like our current political climate, you are, everything is so divided. Like, Mm -hmm. but then because of that such division, like Leo was saying, in schools we aren't, shown both sides because you don't it's we want to create this sense of unity right that um we're all we're all we all agree we're all connected but that's not true Mm -hmm. and people are scared to put their opinions out there because we want to create this sense of unity because we're so divided but we want to have our own opinion so it's just kind of a A endless cycle yeah Mm -hmm. 
the snake eating its tail. Mm -hmm. and I also asked about a character that ended up being very likable at the end, but for whom I'd had nothing really but eye rolls toward the start of the book. Alana, a girl in the school who starts the Connor Project with Evan, and who is the only one, months later still doing it, is kind of an unlikely hero. What did they think about her? She actually wants to change something. Like, she goes full for it, no matter what. Yeah, she's very motivated. <laughs> she, she is, yeah. I, She'll kick you off the project. Did you like her at no first? No what, if you don't do anything. Well, I did like her. She was she was really motivated to the Connor project and that was good for her. Like totally. I guess at the beginning I read her wrong, kind of like a shallow involved in everything mm -hmm. and yet she's the one person who sticks it out, right? Is then mm -hmm. months later mm -hmm. everybody's forgotten Connor and the Connor project and there she is just yeah. Chugging away, getting an orchard planted. <laughs> yeah, I was at first I did not like her. I was like, she's just that girl who's up in everybody's business. Like, yeah. Doesn't just leave you alone. But then she you're right, she was the only one who seemed to care. Who seemed yeah. to want to spread or to the complete something that she had begun. Exactly. Even if she didn't know Connor. I know I was surprised at the end, I was like, be like Alana. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't a character I thought would end up I guess the idea of her being any kind of a role model surprised me, but in the end, she offered that. We then moved to the topic of suicide. We agreed that we all knew people who were probably struggling, but it is very hard to know what is the right thing to do. I shared that a close friend of ours had committed suicide a few years ago. We had tried to always be there, to listen, to help, to talk, but in the end it wasn't enough. My husband and I still don't know what would have made the difference. And the book club members feel similar, but offer this advice to the adults in the room. Please talk about it. And going back to like what to do with like dealing with suicide and like thoughts like that, like in seventh grade, I had a teacher and I had him for like three classes and he committed suicide in the middle of the year and no one knew what to do and there were like accusations going around and it was never, now like the full story is somewhat known but no one ever wanted to go back to it because they didn't think like you could handle talking about it and that was more damaging than it was good. So it just is important to have those conversations. We also brought up the increase in anxiety, or maybe it's just the increase in talking about anxiety. We weren't sure which is which. I gave the example of my grandmother, who raised 12 children while living in a train car. They were very poor. They grew their own food, harvested their own food. She worked from dawn to dusk. I imagine there must have been a great amount of anxiety wrapped up in feeding 12 children from your own garden. What was there? We asked whether Maybe now that most of our needs are simply met on a daily level, we have the luxury of worrying about other things. 
we have like a lot of excess time now, but we don't use it meaningfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like with your grandmother, that was like an instinct to survive, mm -hmm. is what basically what she was running off of. But now, as Leah said, we have so much time on our hands that we, because we 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 have food and a bed to sleep in, and we are comfortable. But we don't use the time to plant the tree. Yeah. We just hit like and then move on and maybe go to a new subject. The actions would help us. Yeah, we sort yeah. of like brand new. We say, oh, it's someone else's job. They'll do it. They'll fix everything. But if everyone's like that, who's gonna fix it? If everyone is like that, who's going to fix it? It's a great question. It's easy to say perhaps the Alanas, the character who actually managed to make the Connor project into something somewhat real. But that's an easy answer. That's a lazy answer. It's the Lorax, right? Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. I don't mean to be trite. We all know Dr. Seuss was one of the wisest among us him and Mr. Rogers. The overall message these teens seemed to be telling us was, talk about it, please. And it would be nice if the adults in the room led the way. We're just as guilty of hollering over screens and talking little face to face. But our teens want to talk and they want us to talk. As I tell you with every podcast, this idea grew out of the hope that we could somehow become more empathetic, more loving, more open, by reading about people different from us and people just like us in worlds far away from ours and in worlds exactly the same as ours. Remember the Bukowski quote? We are all going to die, all of us. What a circus. That alone should make us love each other more. One way to start is probably simply talking face to face. Share what's going on, really going on, not the shiny versions of ourselves we send out through social media. And maybe Evan's therapist wasn't all that wrong. It is good to stop. Smell the roses, count your blessings, as they say. Today is going to be a good day, and here's why. Next month, we'll be discussing Erica L. Sanchez's wonderful novel, I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, about a girl who loses the perfect sister and knows she can't step into the role as much as her parents wish she could. The narrator is wise, funny, and real. We hope you can join us. We'll see you next month.